Good evening. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, and this is the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Each week I'll be playing stripped-down, deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, highlighting different instruments and vocals in a way that will truly amaze you. Imagine sitting in the control room at EMI Studios and having the opportunity to peel away the layers of a song, discovering new elements that you never knew existed. This is the closest you can get to that experience. So sit back, tune in, and enjoy the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. I'll make you maybe next time On June 18th, 2015, Paul McCartney will turn 73. To celebrate his birthday, we're going to spend the next two shows focusing on his post-Beatles career. Tonight we're going to start with a pair of songs released between the breakup of the Beatles and the formation of Wings. The first, Maybe I'm Amazed, is a solo recording from his debut LP, McCartney. Out of all four Beatles, he was the only one that could truly take on such a feat and would do it successfully as a Beatle and in his solo career. Starting with Yesterday, McCartney would record a number of songs that featured no other Beatles, and for his debut after the group broke up, he would do so for an entire album. Written in 1969, just before the Beatles' breakup, the song was dedicated to his wife Linda, who had helped him through this difficult time. Although most of his debut solo album was recorded at his farm in Scotland, McCartney recorded Maybe I'm Amazed entirely in EMI's Studio 2, where he was mixing every night. Although he declined to release the song as a single in 1970, it received a great deal of radio airplay worldwide, making it one of his most recognizable solo songs. A live version from the Wings Over America LP was released as a single in 1977 and reached number 28 in the UK and number 10 in the US. We'll follow with a song from the Ram LP, written by Paul and his wife Linda. Not only was Heart of the Country released on this LP, it was the B-side of The Backseat of My Car, a single only released in the UK. It only reached number 39 in the charts, but the single from the album released in the US, Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey, went to number one a month after its release on August 4, 1971. Next up, a 1972 Wings single, which was banned by the BBC. The second time a Wings single was banned that year. While the first song banned, Give Ireland Back to the Irish, was done so for political reasons, High 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 was deemed sexually suggestive and therefore not heard on the BBC. They also assumed that the title was a drug reference. It still reached number 5 in the UK and number 10 in the US. We'll then hear the song that Paul and Linda wrote for the 8th James Bond film, the first to star Roger Moore as the fictional M16 agent. The song reunited the former Beatle with producer George Martin, who not only produced the track, but arranged the strings as well. Even before the screenplay for the film was completed, producers Harry Saltzman and Albert R. Broccoli commissioned McCartney to write the theme song. Originally, Saltzman was interested in having Shirley Bassey or Thelma Houston perform it, but McCartney and Martin had other plans. McCartney elaborated. George took it to the Caribbean, where they were shooting the movie, and the film producers found a record player. After the record had finished, they said to George, that's great, a wonderful demo. Now when are you going to make the real track, and who should we get to sing it? George told them that was the real track, and McCartney would only allow the song to be used in the movie if Wings was able to perform the song in the opening credits. Saltzman, who previously rejected the chance to produce A Hard Day's Night, decided not to make the same mistake twice, and agreed. The single reached number 9 in the UK, and number 2 in the US. After the September 11, 2001 attacks, the song was placed on Clear Channel's list of lyrically questionable songs, along with John Lennon's Imagine and the Beatles' A Day in the Life, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, Ticket to Ride, and Obladi Oblada. We'll conclude this part of the show with Wing's 1973 single, Helen Wheels. The single was released prior to the Band on the Run LP, and therefore was not included on the British release. However, it was included on the US release, as well as the 25th anniversary version. According to McCartney, Helen Wheels is our Land Rover. The song starts off in Glasgow, 
and it goes past Carlisle, goes to Kendall, Liverpool, Birmingham, and London. It's the route coming down from our Scottish farm to London, so Liverpool is on the west coast of England, so that is all that means. The theme of escape would be something that would reappear in a number of songs from the group's next LP, Band on the Run. I look low, I look in everywhere I go 
Looking for a home in the heart of the country. I'm gonna move, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna tell everyone I know. Looking for a home in the heart of the country. Do you 
After releasing a solo album, an album credited as Paul and Linda McCartney, and two Wings LPs, McCartney decided that he wanted to make the next album in an exotic location, so he found out where EMI had studios in different parts of the world and chose their studio in Lagos, Nigeria. On the eve of departure, drummer Denny Sewell and guitarist Henry McCullough quit the group. McCullough was not happy with his role in the band and didn't appreciate number one, being told what to play, and number two, having to recreate the same parts night after night on stage. He wanted the freedom to improvise more and felt that McCartney's quest for perfection could be quite dictatorial, something that Harrison had often felt in the Beatles. He also felt that Linda's lack of experience as a musician made it hard for the group to truly excel. Add to that the fact that there was talk of a Beatles reunion now that Alan Klein was out of the picture, and it makes sense as to why the two musicians would leave the band with such short notice. McCartney wasn't phased by the situation, and the album was recorded as a trio, with Paul playing drums, bass, keyboards, and much of the lead guitar, Linda providing backing vocals and some keyboards, and Denny Lane adding backing vocals and guitar. When the group arrived in Lagos, the studio was still under construction and lacked much of the modern equipment McCartney expected from an EMI studio. Luckily, he had the foresight to bring engineer Jeff Emmerich, who had worked on many of the Beatles albums, and he was able to salvage the project. The next problem occurred when local musicians, especially Afrobeat star and political activist Fela Kuti, believed that he was there to steal their musical ideas. The McCartneys were also mugged at knife point one evening, and the cassette tapes of some of the unfinished songs were stolen. Not a great way to begin a project, but in the end, the LP would become a huge hit. When released in December of 1973, the album didn't do so well on the charts, climbing to number 9 in the UK and number 7 in the US. But after the popularity of the singles released from the album, it reached number 1 in both the UK and the US. We'll hear the first single, Jet, along with its B-side, Let Me Roll It. While most of the basics for Band on the Run were recorded in Lagos, Jet was recorded entirely at EMI Studios in London when the group returned. The single reached number 7 in both the UK and the US. In the U.S., the B-side was originally Ammonia, but after its initial run, it was replaced with the British B-side Let Me Roll It, a staple at live shows from the 70s until today. The song has often been called a Lennon-esque track, but McCartney has consistently stated that any similarity was coincidental. Let Me Roll It was not really a Lennon pastiche, although my use of tape echo did sound more like John than me, but tape echo was not John's exclusive territory. And you have to remember that despite the myth, there was a lot of commonality between us in the way we thought and the way we worked. We'll follow with the title track from the album. McCartney's five-minute mini-opera, Band on the Run. The first two sections of the song were recorded during the Lagos sessions, but the third wasn't recorded until they returned to London. The song was inspired by something that George Harrison had said at an Apple business meeting, stating that we're all prisoners in some way. Although McCartney initially refused to release any of the songs from the LP as singles, he was persuaded by Capitol Records promotion man and radio plugger Al Corey to do so, and after the success of Jet, Band on the Run was the next to be released. It topped the charts in the U.S. and reached number three in the U.K., and won a Grammy for Best Pop Vocal Performance by a Duo, Group, or Chorus at the 17th Annual Grammy Awards. Jet. I thought the only 
Stuck inside these four walls Sent inside forever Never seeing no
I'm Anthony Robustelli, and we're back with part one of a special Paul McCartney After the Beatles multi-track meltdown. After the success of the Band on the Run LP, McCartney realized he needed a new lead guitarist and drummer for Wings. For the lead guitar chair, he chose 21-year-old wonder kid Jimmy McCulloch from the bands Thunderclap Newman and Stone the Crows. Before joining Wings, he had also played with John Mayall and the Bluesbreakers, Harry Nielsen, John Entwistle, and others. He was a welcome addition to the band and would play on the next three Wings albums. By the release of 1978's London Town, he had quit the group to join a newly formed Small Faces, but had played on a number of the tracks before leaving. Drummer Jeff Britton, however, didn't have as long a tenure. After recording the Junior's Farm Sally G single in Nashville, and the B-side to Listen to What the Man Said, the tune Love and Song in London, he left the band due to personal conflicts, especially with guitarist McCulloch. Unfortunately, two years after he left Wings, McCulloch died of cardiac arrest due to acute morphine poisoning at the age of 26. After the Rocker Jr.'s farm, we'll switch gears and hear the number one U.S. hit, Listen to What the Man Said, with new drummer Joe English, guitar by founding Traffic member Dave Mason, piano by New Orleans legend Alan Toussaint, and a smoking soprano saxophone solo recorded in one take by Tom Scott. We're going to close the show with two songs from the underrated London Town album. The album was recorded at EMI Studios in London, George Martin's Air Studios in London, and aboard the motor yacht Fair Carol in the Virgin Islands. Ironically, Wings would lose their drummer and lead guitarist before the album was completed, a similar situation to what had happened the last time the group departed for an exotic locale to record. Once again, the group was a trio, and the record cover would only feature the McCartneys and Denny Lane. However, the two songs we'll hear tonight, the title track and the number one U.S. single with a little luck, feature the entire band. Enjoy.
See you down in New Orleans, man. Yeah, yeah, re- yeah, yeah. Any time, any day, you can hear the people say that love is.
went on a Sunday afternoon I was arrested by a rosa Wearing a pink balloon about his foot Toot, 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 toot Silver rain was falling down upon the dirty ground of London town
I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, Volume 1, 1962-1963, and you've been listening to Part 1 of the special Paul McCartney After the Beatles Multitrack Meltdown. Tune in every Sunday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, to hear more deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, live tracks, solo cuts, and more. See you next week.